Gordon, are you okay? Oh, hello everyone. Uh, sorry, no time for a proper introduction today. Uh, we've actually already made the selection for today. It is Space Precinct, but we've just lost contact with Thunderbird 4, so it was all a bit tense here at the moment. Gordon, are you okay? Just about, Virgil. Oh, whew. well, that is a relief. Uh, isn't that a relief, Prince Voltan? Gordon's alive! He absolutely is. And with that awkward but very necessary transition, here's Flash. Uh... Yes! So welcome to the earliest Space Precinct episode we have yet covered on the randomizer, Flash. This was, I believe, the fourth episode made. And um, for whatever reason, it was very often shown quite near the end of the run, like almost... Jones? You know, almost the last episode before the two-parters, in fact. Trent? All the greats. I suspect it may have been partly due to um, perhaps issues with the uh, the content of the story. I know. Um, Brother, we're close. I suspect that's one of the reasons illegal was shoved so far back in the BBC run is because they had to reshoot the uh, the uh, replacement scene. You know where Haldane is ramming the uh, um, metal coat hanger into the the junction box. This one, I think, again, similar sort of thing could have been behind you know, pushing it to the end of the run, but I think. The fact that it's just a bit rubbish Sounds really dangerous. is uh, is probably at the heart of it. Anyway, we are we are with this uh, Tarn gentleman who is racing across the streets of Demeter City. Gee, that'll be swell, Haldane. But cruise when I say streets, I of course mean sky. I do know the difference. Grandpa's disc. I just don't always remember. Haldane, we're on duty. Man, you're doing the paperwork on this one. Yeah, that's our Tarn friend just uh, just cruising by. Haldane has got some uh, some country music tapes that have been sent through from Earth. Oh, there's that um, that hover bike. That um, yeah, hover bike model that was in it was the pizza delivery bike in uh, Double Duty, and then they turned it into a, a toy. A DCPD toy, but then they had to include the toy in an episode of, I think it's it's in one scene in Takeover, just to justify the toy's existence. <laughs> now, Tarn friend is uh, is dosing his uh, his wrist up with a little spray from an atomizer there. And rising. Rock and roll, blood. <laughs> oh. Please keep a minimum of two hands on the controls at all times. He seems very hip and cool. <laughs> oh, just punched his fist straight through that ashbar. And again, we have. Please reduce your speed. I, I I really like the model work in this show. Last oh, he's he's grooving with the the country music. Oh, uh, yeah, I really like the model work in this show. But what's he up to now? Any scenes in Demeter City shot in daylight, and I think I've said this before, they just don't work. <laughs> yeah, he just turned around and came at them on a collision course. Oh, man, I'm gonna name my first ulcer after this guy. Oh, and he's down through a oh electricity pylon. And uh, once the model stops moving, I suspect we'll probably find him uh, on the back lot at Pinewood. Yep, yeah, there we go. Oh, chickens! But uh, our Tarn friend seems none the worse for wear. Good afternoon, officers. What the hell you think you're doing anyway? Oh. Hey. I want to shoot you. Yeah, well, I got a better idea. Why don't you try these? Oh, I like how matter-of-fact he is about it, but... Uh... Good officer, I'm Marcus Droon. Strongest tarn in Demeter City. Mm. <laughs> and maybe the strongest tarn in... in... Uh-oh. Uh, his, uh, his head is, uh... 
Oh, it's pulsating. Got a bad feeling about this. And there he was, gone. And this episode is uh, way to beat a speeding ticket. Is quite horrific because uh, our little tarn pal there, Marcus Drune, just uh, just spontaneously combusted. And it's it's a really odd thing with this. What about our vaporized driver, Jane? Right. Take a look at the late Marcus June's ID. No arrests, no convictions. Traffic tickets? Nothing. He was a librarian. Couldn't be cleaner. Or debtor. One minute he's on top of the world, the next poof, hot air. Oh, sounds like too much flash. Yeah, the, the build-up to the, the explosions it is quite nasty, uh, even though for most of most of them we're watching the one of the prosthetic heads you know inflating and bulging so it's not quite as disturbing as it is later on with a real real life human being it is still quite effective until the actual moment of the explosion and then the cgi takes over entirely and it is just so oh, they sort of condense and then they just become these little purple dots that fall on the floor in fact it's it's a horrific idea that is executed as well as it can by the practical effects and then the CGI just just let the whole thing down. To himself, never caused problems or made any noise. Anyway, we've gone to see uh, the late Marcus Drune's landlady. Brogan. Yeah. H-E-11, does that mean anything to you? No, not a fan. Oh, stash of vials. H-E-11? Peru? Uh, yep, scrawled on half of a banknote that has the words United Countries of written along the top. Report. Yeah, we'll be with you in a minute. Oh, and speaking of practical effects failures, here's Morgo. I'm sorry. It's just, well, my girlfriend's dealing flesh, and I don't know what to do about it. Uh, you can She's stop. just like a giant sentient... Munaki. Andy. Oh, I don't know. That's the problem. Skin taggy looks just horrible. How about a description? I got a picture. Ah, uh, even better. If you see her, maybe you could tell her. Sir. Uh, you know. Morgo's missing, so-called missing girlfriend. She's standing on the steps outside. Um, hey, slow mo. A, a, a room at Pinewood that I believe was the uh, the entrance to the hospital in the UFO episode, The Long Sleep. I think that's the exact same door. But uh, oh my goodness, Morgo is um, a delightful disaster, and I, I I'm. Sure, it's just Lomo, this polar character. I'm, I'm sure that the people who made it Flophouse and the wharf approached this with the same you know, professionalism and skill as they did every other animatronic head they made in Space Precinct. But it's just something about than dealing drugs to begin with. the size of the thing and the the fact that there's just too much going on. The head is too bulky, so it needs more animatronics to support it, and you can just. You you don't often I, I think with with space precincts you don't you're not very often aware of the fact that you're watching animatronic heads particularly not with the creons and tarns with Morgo all you can you know, you look at him and all you can hear are those gears and motors just working all these various bits and police identification the final result just doesn't okay. doesn't amount to much anyway Orin and Beazle found pole of Admanaki hard to search your premises under suspicion of dealing flash. Flash. Don't we? Uh, Your boyfriend told us. Reported her as a flash dealer. Friend. What boyfriend? <laughs> oh God, he looks even worse. 
Anyway, he's taken out Orin and Beazle fairly quickly. I also like how accepting Orin and Beazle are of the fact that you know, a creature as monstrous and horrible as Morgo could uh, could easily get a girlfriend. I suppose by Creon standards, Polar is quite cute, but... Uh, oh, Morgo is... Uh, you know, she could do much better than Morgo. Anyway, he snatched her, made her run for it. Man, we walked right into that one. Dumb. You feel dumb now. Wait till the captain hears our report. <sighs> and this is, I think, the first time we've heard from Beazel on the randomizer. Beazel was the uh, original sidekick of Officer Orin. The files Rogan and Haldane found. Who, um, yeah, only appears in the first four episodes before actor Tom Watt got bored, um, a bit annoyed as well that he he knew his his voice was going to be overdubbed. So with the the Creon head, there wasn't going to be much left of his performance. So he decided to leave. Um, I, I, want I honestly, I think Romek is a, is a much stronger character than Beazle. Sergeant Prado. But had had Tom Watt not left, I gather Lou Hirsch would have provided the voice for Beazle. In which case, Amelia Cedric. Maybe maybe Beazle would have been better. Um, as he is, though, he's just kind of a. She was arrested this morning for kind of a sort of a footnote before we get to Romek. Anyway, with this. Oh, yeah, Fredo and Podley are showing off. She said something about breaking through the wall. Another Tarn who's uh, addicted to Flash, a little old lady. Captured on uh, CCTV footage in the cells. Heads pounding, and there she was, turned into CGI. Hit the streets, people. Dealers, distributors, manufacturers, anybody and everybody involved in the Flash trade. I want them closed down and locked up on a wanted done yesterday. So Brogan and Haldane are off to Interchem to uh, investigate the... Uh, well, there's one of two companies that are capable of producing Flash. HE11, or Flash, as you call it, was developed here at Intercam. They're meeting with Dr. Henry Jansen, a.k.a. Dr. Smarmy Muk, not the villain. Continue that research as soon as we discover the drug's lethal side effect. As you can probably hear, he's uh, very... ...credits on that program, and we still haven't recovered. Very sincere, very... He couldn't possibly be uh, involved in anything shady. We were trying to develop an ego enhancer. An artificial confidence booster for the low in self-esteem. Unfortunately, when the concentration of HE11 reaches a certain critical level in the blood, it triggers a chain reaction. And essentially, the blood plasma converts to trioxyglycosone. Isn't that like Zemtel? Yes, only less stable. Body heat alone. And you've got to believe that the person who wrote this, who I can't remember the name off of the top of my head, um, has had got to have been thinking. The problem is when the Use you know, full-on body horror explosion, you know, chunks of meat and gore flying all over the place, and not this sort of the idea how this quick CGI fizzle into nothing. It's um, again, I think it's it's a, a, a recurring problem with Space Precinct, and it is quite evident in this episode. It wants to be a yeah, it wants to be a really grown-up, gritty adult show, but it also it's got to keep the kid audience, and you can't go too far in that direction for a child audience. So we get this... Uh, oh, he's just dropped Polar in it as well. Uh, yeah, we get this odd... Wait a second. Odd conflict between the two. Orin and Beazle just filed a kidnapping report on her. Could you upload us that report, Fredo? SBA. Thanks. I hate coincidences. Yeah, what do we got here? Criminal record, none. Prior drug history, none. Sound like a typical flash dealer to you? Well, no, but it's the only lead we've got. Eh, don't forget Peru. You take Peru, I'm gonna take Pola. 
So Polar's been set up in a lab in a warehouse with... Uh, oh, God, there's Morgo again. Polar. Isolinium. Completely soundproof. And another problem with the very early days of Space Precinct. Actually, I think it's a consistent problem right the way through the series. A decent actress whose performance has later been dubbed by a completely different performer. Polar. It takes years to get a license. We simply had to cut some corners. And kill innocent people? We were as disappointed with that unfortunate side effect as you. Yeah, this actress, who, again, I can't remember the name of... Uh, side effect. I've seen in other things, and she's usually pretty good. I can't believe she gave a bad enough performance to warrant her 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 voice being replaced like this, but... I see. Here we are. Well... So we now have Polar, Morgo, and... Um, member, everyone who lives there. This woman, whose name I can't remember, either the actress or the character... And it does create a level of, of unreality where you're just... Everyone you're looking at, you know you're not hearing their proper voice. Um, Welcome back, Paula. I mean, the look of Paula and the voice are, are kind of nice fits. But... Ugh. Anyway, speaking of ugh, it's off to the Brogan household, where... Oh, no. See you later, Prime Ancients. Shut up. Have fun. <laughs> Take no prisoners, Matt. Oh, we're getting rid of Matt early on. That's that's fine. But here comes... Zill says I really need to talk to you. The other one. There's this class project I got to write. It's called A Parent's Day. I actually rather like the fact that um, Liz is constantly... Policeman you are. Well, she claims to be translating for Zill, but she just uses so Zill to get her own way. <laughs> um, ask me what, honey? Well, the point of the project is to actually see what goes on in your day. Because as Zill's an alien, you could almost believe that she is actually sort of um, sending telepathic messages to Liz or something really, really quite sinister and terrifying. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm not a little kid. I'm almost 11. Yeah, I know. But it's just not a real great idea. I mean, why don't you write about mom's work? If I wanted to write about mom's work, I would have asked her. Besides, we're at the point in this series at the moment where nobody knows what mom actually does yet. I think Zill's got a point. Oh, God, here we go. I haven't missed this. It's been a while since we've been to Space Precinct. I haven't missed this. Poor old Patrick can't do anything right, Brogan. From Creon Chiropodic Disorder. Just dial feet. <laughs> Watching an advert for Creon Chiropodists. Coming up next, Erdy Grisham with the Slam Ball highlights of the week oh, and his yeah. special guest, the greatest crossover role. It's never a good sign when your show's... What's up? Oh, there we go. It's a country on Earth. <laughs> In this case, it's a dial code. Yes, he saw the dial code on the uh, advert for the Shropodist. So happens to be the private internal number of our good buddy, Dr. Henry Jansen. With the word Peru they found on the half a note. And they traced that back to Dr. Henry Jansen. Confidence you never had, my dear. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I don't know why Droon would keep the dialing code rather than the number lying around. I've altered the ratio. And, like and I don't know why he keeps it on half of a... Banknote. Bring that lizard. And also, I don't care. And here's Morgo with a lizard. Everybody loves lizards. They're quite cute. Um, I mean, they're hideous, but they're as little animatronic things go. They're, they're quite sweet. We've been spraying this one with flash, so we now presumably have a hyper confident. Oh, I'm very dead, lizard. Morgo, do you still have that address? I know I'm close. Give me a few more days, please. You've got 26 hours. Or rather, your parents do. 
and I feel for the actor inside that Morgo costume. I know it wasn't fun for anyone in the, the full animatronic costumes, but they must have been carrying so much extra weight on top of all the regular animatronics as well. Apollo, flash the work on Morgo. And I, I think, I, I, as I remember it, Morgo is generally... Stupid, Henry. Stupid, Henry. Um, generally kind of useless throughout this episode. Anyway, aside from kidnapping Polar, he doesn't do much after that. On to us? They're asking. And yet he got his own action figure. Which means whether Polar's cracked the design floor or not. I mean, I, why, why does Morgo get an action figure and Armand Loyster doesn't? I want an Armand Loyster action figure. As soon as she's done, dismantle everything and... He's way cooler. Anyway. Make sure we have enough fuel to get to the planet Danny. We'll take the Earth shuttle from there. Dr. Honest McNot the Villain Boosting. turns out to be a villain. He's uh, and out at the, uh, the warehouse. Give it to Morgo. Flap his animatronic lips at her. Um, take these to disposal, Tanya. And I want you to wipe the computer files. Dr. Jansen? But it's all very, very on the level. I'm not suspicious at all. Officer Haldane, Brogan, delighted to see you again. How may I help you? We've got a warrant to search the premises. We've tested every vat, every flask, Every test tube in every lab at Interchem. Nothing. Huh, and that may have been the first appearance from uh, uh, Dr. Tarn Scientist Bloke, who no evidence. handled all the science stuff on the station house before Carson came along, and he's found absolutely nothing. Captain? From a raid at Interchem. They asked us to check out some addresses from Jansen's database. The guy's a real prince. We thought you might like to see what we found down in Zone 7. Plus a dealer. Uh, Jane and Took found the flash. Of our success. Timing. Captain, Jansen's got a visitor. One Carmel Matthews. Carmel, I had nowhere else to turn. This is also alarming. You, of all people, behind bars. It was all some kind of horrible mistake. Sweetheart, I want you to know that I'm... And again, I, I rather like the performance that this actor playing Dr. Jansen is giving. I'm in my presence. Oh. Hey, hey, hey. I don't know how that works. She's, she bangs the the wire around the... And to think I actually felt sorry for... The holding area with the palm of her hand in which she's got um, a vial of flash to pass to Henry. And yet, I don't know how she managed to... to get that through the bars without smashing it all over herself. But uh, there we go. I'm not a an expert scientist-turned-drug-pushing um, person. Henry's making his way down to the cells. Yes, Officer Haldane. Love is grand. Oh, space police. Sudden random space police clip. Honey, City Blues. Do we have to? These words from oh, our no, we don't have to. Nobody wants to watch space police. Well, no, that's not fair. Something I did? No. Just something you didn't do. Ah, stop it! Well, you know, Trina's mother is taking her to Moon Station 1 where she works as an astrophysicist, and Ilana's father is taking her to the transit factory where he works. Yeah. Astrophysics, transit factory... Why don't you take her to the hospital? Murderers, criminals, rapists, drug dealers, vicious alien monsters. 88 with a kid on my arm. Potley's gonna cut me off. It's, it's, it's all equal, isn't it? It all balances out. Patrick Brogan. Your captain is not the issue here, and you know it. All right, I admit it. Although I rather like that, thankfully, in this episode, 
the whole, oh, Brogan, you're very, you're you're just so, you're awful, Brogan. All that stuff from Sally, thankfully, doesn't last very long in this episode. Your choices, don't you? Because Liz gets her own way. Mm -hmm. I know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The answer's still no. It is? I mean it. Absolutely no way. Mm -hmm. It won't work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No. And I also like the, um, the way that, Brogan is, is clearly reluctant to take her to the station, but uh, the conversation with Podley. I have to tell you, I did the same thing myself. Took my daughter to the station for a few hours, gave her the guided tour, usual stuff. I don't see why you shouldn't do it too, but only for a couple of hours, right? Uh, at, at most, Captain. By the way, um, when you did that with your daughter... Ah, it worked out great. She's a detective over on the 38th now. <laughs> Of course, the only thing that could possibly go wrong is if I send her on some undercover mission and I think she gets killed, but, uh, well, that's not very likely, is it? It doesn't even work on my station. Here's a nice foreshadowing of, uh, of a later event. Um, I don't believe for a moment they meant to uh, ever revisit that that notion, but it's nice that uh, eventually we did get to meet the, uh, the daughter of Podley. They finally found a partner tough enough for you, huh? <laughs> Base police officers are chosen for their exceptional sense of humor. Jane? Tookie, say hello to Liz. Hiya, Liz. So, are you going to be Brogan's new partner? <laughs> Officers are also chosen for their originality. Pretty tough requirements, huh? Mm. It also makes no sense shoving this episode so late in the run, um, as as was as I mentioned earlier. In the you know, this is clearly Liz's first meeting with uh, with Castle and Took. Posters. Something wrong, Brogan? No. Um, she's also clearly never been to the station house before this point, so it doesn't make sense for it to come after episodes in which she's already been there again. Well, by the excitement of high-speed chases. Um, seek and destroy, smelter-skelter. Sweet. Yeah, come on. Probably another one that I'm forgetting. Anyway, Liz is now being shown around the, uh, the office at the station house. And Morgo has fallen asleep on the job. Morgo! I really could use some muscle in here. Yeah, I could almost half believe that's the actor falling asleep on the set because he must have just been time. losing bucket loads of sweat. Mummy and Daddy. Ugh. What are you doing here? Did Brogan put in for a new partner? Another thing I really like about Haldane, and I know some people don't like him, is he... Again, Haldane! He can just be thrown in with absolutely any other character in this show. And it's instantly a really interesting dynamic, like with, um, you know, he's introduced to Liz there, and it just worked really well. Speaking of introductions... What do you want? ...and amazing officers of uh, Precinct 88, here's our introduction of unnamed Creon Salgard. Oh, getting a spray of flash in the face. Well, I say unnamed, you can see on his name tag, his, uh, his name is Sasha. I feel like great! He's got this little buzz... Buzz cut hairdo. No way! But he completely fails at everything he attempts to do. He's ever had. His voice is never consistent from one appearance to the next. You'd escape. Right. Buddy. So Henry has given him a spray of flash and is about to throw him in the cells. And I also love that he. You know, this is a drug designed to boost confidence in people with low self esteem. Open the door. And given everything bad that happens to this character through the rest of the series, you could almost believe that. He's picked out this poor, this poor Sasha guy as a, a really easy mark. He's talked him into letting him out of the cell. Sasha will go in the cell, waving bye-bye. 
thanks. What an introduction. And for the rest of the series, this character will just be beaten up, thrown around, tossed all over the place. Uh, yep. One of my faves. He's 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 a you know it's he's a real you know in the spirit of Captain Magenta, I think it's a. Uh, uh, your face does not match my records. Identify immediately. Officer Liz Brogan. Thank you, Officer uh, Brogan. Report to records of five for a voice print and DNA scan. Goodbye. There you go. So Slomo will just hire any unaccompanied minor who happens to be in the room at the time. Access denied. And here comes the absolute worst fight scene in Jerry Anderson history. Hold it right there. Hey, let me help you. So this is Henry Jansen trying to get into the docking bay. Can't get through. Beazle suddenly appears. Henry goes to spray him, doesn't have enough flash left. You hear what is clearly not Beazle's voice. 913 in the bay, officer down, code red. And then you hear Jansen saying, here, let me help you, as if he was recorded like three weeks later in a... Thanks, friend. Inside a, a water tank or something. And Beazle makes the wall wobble as he flies back into it. Um... Ugh. Everything, everything about that scene is just so, so naff, and uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Anybody get the number of that truck? Ugh. And Beazle died. No time for chit chat, darling. We're at well, he doesn't appear again after that. So uh, yeah, I just assume he uh, he he was rushed to uh, intensive care and he he died, um, not from injuries sustained in his uh, little fight, just uh, just from. Sheer embarrassment, I would have thought. Let's blow this stand. Oh, and we missed another brilliant bit of ADR there, I think. As Brogan and Haldane were about to take off, Haldane, let's blow this popsicle stand. Ugh. No, but we'll get him when he hits atmosphere. It's, it's so painful in the early days of the show to watch these characters trying to be cool and failing miserably. Uh, uh, perhaps Officer Liz Brogan would like some uh, juice? Isn't she with you? Fredo, you had one job, and you... Well, to be fair, I can understand you not wanting to do it. But, um... Oh. We got him. So this is AWOL somewhere. March 7. Yeah, go get him, Daddy! Oh, there she is. Watch out, Dad! Brogan oh. and Haldane are on the trail of... Dr. Jansen, who has made off with... Beazle's cruiser. Give it up, Jansen! There's no escape! And he, see, this this stuff works so much better. We have a proper nighttime chase, and it's for the most part it looks pretty impressive because with the light turned down low, everything looks so much murkier and more mysterious. And he's uh, taking us over the magnetite refinery. <laughs> Terrific. And parts of this sequence look um, music. look almost feature film. Others not so much. Just a little reminder there as well that we have the uh, country tapes in the cruiser with us as well. Running subplot of country music. Always a good sign for a good episode. Whoa. I do like this as, as well, this piece of incidental music of this chase scene, which uh, appeared again in uh, in multiple other episodes. I'm not sure if it was composed for this scene or not. I should know because I wrote the liner notes for the Space Precinct soundtrack CD. I can't remember at this point in time. Anyway. Another Lizarat is getting a dose of flash. Hasn't yet exploded. Has now exploded. We lost him. 
Better notify immigration, make sure he doesn't jump the planet. Right. And we're taking you home, young lady. Oh, Morgo looks like he's trying to swallow his own face now. I'll bring the transit to the side entrance. Henry will be arriving at any minute. She's all yours. That's it, Morgo's been given uh, free reign to do whatever he likes to Polar. Who has just handed him a bomb. Eat. And ignited it. <laughs> oh dear. I think that's the end of Morgo. R.I.P. Morgo as well. You will not be missed. Oh, It's such a, a fun way as well to get rid of the character. Just ask him to hold a bomb. It's almost Looney Tunes style in his, uh, just about to load up. his sort of slapstick demise. But uh, Morgo's dead. Probably. Precinct 88. You've got to help me. I'm being held prisoner. 423 West 53rd. Come quickly. We copy, Fredo. 423 West 53rd. Now Jane and Tug have arrived at the warehouse. This is where we bid adieu, Paula. But... Oh, don't worry. I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to leave you. Someone will find you someday. Another loose end for my amazing plan full of loose ends that have done nothing but get me in trouble throughout this entire episode. I'm brilliant. I suppose it's just been left behind, but uh, Jane and Tucker in. I love chasing around Demeter after crank calls. Jensen's office. Oh. Jensen. Oh, and he just grabbed the um, Carmel or whatever her name is, used her as a human shield. Oh, and then grabbed the biggest gun he could find, which jams after one shot. All units, code three. Officers need assistance. We've got Jansen pinned down at 423 West 53rd. We're on our way, Jane. Uh, broken with the only available cruiser. Gotta go. Oh, again? Again? Oh, dear. Sci-fi trope central this week. I do like this as well, this model shot flying over live-action shot of two guys getting mugged and the presence of the cruiser causes the mugger to run off. It's a, it's a nice little touch that you don't immediately notice on uh, first viewing. Anyway, Brogan and Haldane are going in as backup leaving Liz strict instructions to stay in the cruiser no matter what. I'm sure she'll do that. I'm sure she'll do as she told. To oh, especially if she's got some nice country music to listen to. Dr. Jansen, we need to talk. And we're coming up on one of the nastiest Doctor. deaths in the whole of the Jerry Anderson uh, canon. One of the nastiest in this show as well. Um, Jansen is, is holed up in the, the lab with Polar, using her as a hostage. You'll lay down your weapons. If you Standing right next to a tank of Flash. <laughs> Polar's running. Oh, and Haldane's hit the can of Flash. Jansen, move clear. Jansen's getting a face full. Oh dear. I would love to know how this it's wonderful. this sequence of Jansen, um, for lack of a better word, the inflating, was achieved. Um, oh, it looks so painful as well. I don't. This this it's the shot of the head swelling up. I don't believe it's CGI. I can't see how it's a practical effect. It looks so gruesome. And then of course we get that um, fizzle into the CGI and. Uh, that's the end of that. And of course there was um, there was even more footage shot for this scene that was more even more graphic, which you see uh, in Two Against the Rock, yeah. 
you, you see a shot of him. His head is, like, his forehead has grown like a bubble, and his lip is split and and oozing this black slime. It looks so nasty. And I would love to know how that effect was achieved. Um, Mr. Richard James, if you are listening to this, any insight onto how Jansen's death was achieved? Because I can't see it as prosthetics. I can't see it as CGI. It looks so convincing and horrible. Anyway, stunned lady. He's got a gun. Fired at the cruiser. Oh. With Liz inside. Liz! 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 Oh. How will the show survive without Liz? Oh. Daddy? She wandered off. Daddy, I went looking for you. Oh, and another awful bit of dubbing as uh, Brogan and Liz hug in slow motion. And again, I think that, that moment is um, the absolute instant where you see... No! What? As I mentioned earlier, the, um, the sort of schizophrenic nature of the show, wanting to be really adult and dark and gritty and horrible, and also having to appeal to kids, where you, it, it's absolutely defined in Jansen's horrible, horrible death being so closely followed by, oh, daddy, slow motion hug, oh, everything's wonderful. Did I ever tell you what I used to do when I was a kid? No. What? Well, after I'd had the uh, chocolate syrup, and da -da -da -da, oh. I'd take a spoon, uh-huh. And I'd mix the whole thing up into a chocolate malt. Right. Voila! So. Brogan swirl. Vanilla ice cream and chocolate sauce. Mm. Which is actually very, very nice, but uh, it's nothing fancy or anything. You know, everything. About what? Everything's fine. Liz is safely home. Why not? And the only thing lost was poor old Haldane's country tapes. The Brogan Swirl. You know, your dad always used to make that for me when he wanted something. What, seriously? This has a name and a history. It is just vanilla ice cream and chocolate sauce. Honey, I can explain. Is this really the way to a woman's heart? I've been doing it wrong all these years. Well, it was her adventure. Go ahead, sweetie. Well, I learned something really important today. Cuprick's boring. I want to be a country and western singer. <laughs> you do? <laughs> Great. That's great. Wait a minute. Cop work is boring? <laughs> and with that very, very weak note to go out on, that was Flash. And, oh dear. Um, well, I certainly think that the all the elements are in place for potentially a good story. I just don't believe that the... Um, you know, this is a family show, ostensibly. That limits how far a story like this can go. And a story like this can't really be confined within that format. So it's it's really a very good example of the show's ambition being thwarted by its own nature. Um, you know, some good, uh, good uh, guest performances in uh, Dr. Jansen and... Um Anyway, uh, yeah, not one of my favourite episodes of Space Precinct by a long way. I can certainly see why this isn't a favourite of many people. And um, Morgo, oh my goodness. Just um, a complete and utter disaster from start to finish, really. Glad we got this one out of the way. Flash! Flash! News about Flash! Flash is here in the giant size pack! 
Big, big, giant size pack. In the shops now and it's four pence off. Buy giant size flash while it's four pence off.